Hello and welcome to the latest podcast in our series on the EU Green Bond Regulation. My name is Hugo van der Molen and I'm joined today by my colleague Emilia Reis. Today we will be discussing the transparency requirements for issuers electing to use the EU Green Bond label. So Emilia, in our previous episode we worked through the EU Green Bond label in alignment with the EU taxonomy regulation. But transparency and standardized disclosure are another fundamental feature of the EU Green Bond standard. Can you describe what is required? Yeah, sure, Hugo. So issuers wishing to use the EU Green Bond label will be required to comply with prescribed transparency requirements under the regulation. As we mentioned in previous episodes, the EU Prospectus Regulation Compliant Prospectus will be required for the label. But the prospectus will also need to state that the bonds are issued in accordance with the EU Green Bond Regulation in the use of proceeds section of the prospectus. Also, if the issuer allocates proceeds to CAPEX or OPEX falling within the regulation, they must have a CAPEX plan in place and a summary of this CAPEX plan must be included in the prospectus. Hugo, issuers are also subject to detailed pre- and post-issuance disclosure requirements. Could you walk us through those? Thanks, Emilia, of course. There are three types of issuer reporting that are required. First of all, there's the pre-issuance fact sheet, which is similar to the current Green Bond framework. This fact sheet needs to be reviewed by an external reviewer pre-issuance and needs to be accompanied by a positive opinion. The fact sheet can relate to a single EU Green Bond or several EU Green Bond issuances. And second of all, there are allocation reports, which need to be prepared for every 12-month period throughout the life of the Green Bond until full allocation of proceeds and for the issuers published the CAPEX plan until the completion of such plan. This should set out the actual rather than the intended allocation of proceeds together with details of the amounts and proportion of proceeds allocated to which types of activities. As with the pre-issuance fact sheet, an allocation report can relate to one or more EU Green Bond issuances. It is also worth noting that issuers are required to obtain a post-issuance review by an external reviewer after full allocation of the proceeds. And this needs to be accompanied by a positive opinion. However, where the portfolio approach is used, each allocation report must be subject to external review unless no changes to the portfolio have been made from the prior reporting year. And the final type of issue reporting is the post-allocation impact report. This report should be prepared at least once following full allocation of the proceeds. Post-allocation impact report will include details on the environmental impact of the use of proceeds. And issuers may choose to have this report reviewed by an external reviewer, but this review is not mandatory under the new regulation. It is important to note that issuers are required to publish each of these reports on their websites and notify the relevant EU competent authorities and ESMA following publication. What is helpful here is that the templates for the reports are all set out in the annexes to the regulation. So pre-issuance disclosure and post-issuance allocation and impact reporting is actually already a feature of the current Green Bond market. Under the EU Green Bond standard, these need to follow prescribed templates, as we just discussed. Let's now look at some of the detail of what needs to go into a pre-issuance fact sheet. Emilia, can you provide a bit more detail? Sure. So in terms of use of proceeds, the issue of fact sheet and reports will include detail of the intended allocation of bond proceeds to EU taxonomy-aligned economic activities, at least at the level of economic activity and ideally at level of project or group of projects. 
There'll also be detail of any intended allocation to specific transitional or enabling economic activity. There'll be detail of the proportion allocated to nuclear energy and fossil gas related activities. And it will state whether the issuer intends to use any of the flexibility provisions for economic activities which are not aligned with the TSC, i.e. whether the issuer intends to make use of the so-called flexibility pocket and the estimated percentage amount. They'll also state whether they're applying gradual or portfolio approach and whether the bonds are securitization bonds. And there'll be disclosure on the financing versus refinancing split of the use of proceeds. Thanks, Amelia. That's, that's really helpful. There are also disclosures required at an issuer level, putting the issuance a bit in a wider context. It is here where we see the EU linking to other EU disclosure regulations, such as how the issuance supports the issuer's broader environmental strategy, including the relevant environmental objectives under under the taxonomy regulation. And in addition, where issuers are subject to Article 8 of the taxonomy regulation, these issuers must include a description of how and to what extent Proceeds are expected to contribute to the issuer's taxonomy-aligned assets, turnover, capex, and opex. And finally, where the issuer has published a transition plan, it needs to disclose how the bond proceeds are intended to contribute to its transition plan. As mentioned before, the issuer is required to publish these reports on its website. But it is worth noting that information contained in the EU Green Bond Fact Sheet is considered regulated information under the EU prospectus regulation. And this means that it can be incorporated by reference into the prospectus. So Amelia, before we uh, we wrap up for today, any key takeaways for our listeners? Yes, so many of the types of disclosure required by the label, which we've mentioned, are already commonly prepared for green use of proceeds bonds under voluntary market-led standards. The challenge with meeting the requirements of the label putting to one side for the moment the difficulties around finding and then reporting on projects and activities meeting the exacting taxonomy requirements, which we've spoken about in previous episodes, will be in relation to the issuer-level disclosures on the issuer's wider environmental strategy that tie in with other EU regulatory requirements. But we may not need to wait very long for the data gaps to subside in relation to these disclosures, as the first wave of issuers subject to CSRD will be reporting on FY24 in 2025. So once issuers are required to report on some of these entity-level disclosures anyway, it will make the EU Green Bond label a more accessible product. So if the update is gradual, which we currently expect, it is worth issuers paying close attention because these official sector labels are a powerful tool for regulators to drive green investment to funding the transition whilst giving investors the uniform disclosure requirements they need to aid comparability. And so we can expect investor demand for such products where an issuer can meet the high bar set by the EU green bond standard. Certainly, we wouldn't be surprised if in the future EU brings forth legislative proposals for other ESG bonds, most likely starting with sustainability-linked bonds, given the EU green bond regulation requires the Commission to report on the need for a regulation in this space within three years. Um, So thanks, Hugo. I think that's all from us today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And until next time, it's goodbye from us.